Heavenly Father, as hard as it is to look upon him this day, we pray that by the Holy Spirit we might see Jesus. Amen. In the front of uh, your worship bulletin, we have a preparatory verse from the book of Lamentations, chapter 1, verse 12. Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Look and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which was brought upon me, which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger. What do we see? when we walk by the cross of Calvary? Do we stop? Do we take any notice? Continue to walk on by? Do we scoff? Do we run away as the disciples did? Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Today, let's not be tempted to pole vault Good Friday in order to quickly get to Easter. Of course, we can only call this Friday good in light of Easter Day, but this day has a voice of its own and it must be heard. You who are here today are at least willing to look upon the very dying form of the one who dies for you and for me. So for this hour, as he hangs upon the cross, let us dwell in the shadow of that cross. Let us come near to the women and to John and behold this great and terrible event. Whenever I see the crucifixion depicted in in a painting and especially on film, my heart cries out, No! No, Lord! I would want to prevent him from taking up that cross because this is a gross injustice and the most beautiful man who ever walked the face of the earth will now die the ugliest death. And his response to me? Get behind me, Satan. We know that it must be. We hear that Pilate doesn't even have the authority, but the authority which he's been given is from up above, and it is the only reason why Jesus is going to the cross is because that is the very will of God. We know it must be, but our sinful hearts still want to thwart it. Sometimes we even try to sentimentalize it. We can't see what is happening before our very eyes that is the very work of God, alien as it may be. This grotesqueness that causes us to flee, or at best to flinch, looking away, is the most demonstrable, loving act of God in the history of the world. It becomes more terrifying when you realize that He takes your place and my place that that's supposed to be us. No matter how good we might think we are, if our whole lives were to be put on display, not just our actions, public and secret, but the innermost thoughts of our hearts, we see that death would be a just punishment. The cross 
seems so extreme. Why does the Son of God have to die upon a cross? In the Old Testament, we read of the sacrifices made at the temple on behalf of individuals, families, even the entire nation of Israel. Although the temple was a place of prayer and teaching, it was above all a place of sacrifice. In some of these sacrifices, people would bring grain or even wine to offer to God. But most notable, the most vivid sacrifices were those of offering up animals to God. These were the most serious of sacrifices. And the more grievous the sin and guilt, the more expensive the animal. Underlying this practice was an important principle in Scripture summarized in Hebrews chapter 9. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And as a family would come to the temple to present their animal offering a lamb, it would be killed right before their very eyes. And with blood dripping down from the altar, the priest would gather it up and pour it on various parts of the altar for the atonement of sin and the removal of guilt. Why should God require the death of a substitute victim, a poor innocent lamb, before people's sins can be forgiven? It's because God thinks sin is much more serious than we can possibly imagine. Most of us think our failings are trivial, especially when compared to others. We're suburban sinners. Well, I'm not as bad as Hitler but I'm also not as good as Mother Teresa. But that is to misunderstand sin. Sin is not only our misdeeds, but what lies beneath our misdeeds. We don't have a behavioral problem. We have a heart problem. What comes out of the mouth, Jesus said, proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. In the fall of 2006, the Reverend Brent Dugan was the pastor of Community Presbyterian Church in Ben Avon, Pennsylvania, near Pittsburgh. And he was watching the evening news and he saw himself on the television. It was an advertisement for a news piece that was to run on the station later on that week. Dugan had been followed by camera crews, even filmed in his own church for reasons other than what he had expected. The local news was to run a story exposing his sexual sins. Camera crews had followed him to an adult bookstore where he was to meet someone for an illicit affair, and they realized that they had a sensational story hypocritical pastor exposed. As he watched the promo, though his name was not mentioned, he knew they were talking about him. Not long after that, but before the segment was to air, Dugan drove himself to a motel in a seedy part of town, and he killed himself. He had no wife. He had no children. He had no hope. And he felt that he died completely alone. 
Why would he do such a thing? He left letters for loved ones, and in them we find that although he loved the Lord Jesus, he didn't think that God's love, mercy, and forgiveness was enough to save him from this present trouble. The cross was not enough. He didn't know of a God who loved him so much that he would send his only son to die for him, even there in that motel room, to die for him, a sinner, a hypocrite, a notorious sinner, a sinner who was believed to be beyond redemption. Because this is what the world says. God can't possibly love you that much, and God can't possibly forgive you for that much. The devil and the world will try as hard as they can to make you believe that you're not worth dying for. But of course we know that we are unworthy. Because worse yet, the devil and the world would like us to believe that we are so good that no one needs to die for us. But we are all Brent Dugan. Even though we haven't been caught by the local news for our misdeeds and our secret sins to be laid before a viewing audience, our sins might be more respectable, but if they were outed, we'd all be ruined. The only difference between he and us is that he was caught. This afternoon, at the very hour upon which Jesus hung upon the cross, I want you to think of that which is lurking in your own heart. What is it that you don't want to be caught doing? What memory have you tried so hard to erase, but it keeps resurfacing? You're afraid of quiet and rest because it would force you to confront it all, so you busy yourself in daily life to try and drown it out. You may say, but Andrew, I have nothing to be ashamed of. But what if it's not what you've done, but what your heart thinks and believes? Because to God, it's all the same. The one who hates his brother in his heart is as guilty as the one who pulls the trigger. All of us are murderers. All of us are guilty. Our own feelings of sin, can we not feel the weight of them? Do they not make us miserable? When you think of that moment, that thought, that you hope never again and you pray never becomes public. The feelings that you may be experiencing right now as you dwell on them, as if you are reliving it all over again. All of that guilt, those feelings of terror, the suffocation, the feeling that there's no way out that the psalmist writes about. That very feeling that you're experiencing right now is what was laid upon the Lord Jesus on that Friday. And yet, it is but a fraction of what he felt. Because all of it, all the sin of the world, all the atrocities ever committed, all of the guilt, all of the brokenness, all of the exploitation, all of the injustice, all of the evil, it was laid upon him. 
It's no wonder that he cries, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When they went to break his legs so that he might eventually succumb to death, they found him already dead. When they pierced his side, water and blood flowed out. His heart had given out. Our sin broke the heart of Jesus. Our sin killed him. The Romans did not kill him. The Jews did not kill him. You and I, we killed him. The one who lived like a lion but died like a lamb. He sees us in our guilt and our wretchedness. He sees us in that moment that comes to mind when you least expect it. That moment that you pray would be erased from memory. He sees you in the very act and he cries out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In that moment, when all of it is laid upon him, knowing he has done what he came to do, the moment that was to be before the foundation of the world, the crushing of the serpent's head in Genesis, my sin, your sin, all sin upon Jesus was laid. And having accomplished that, he cries out in a loud voice, the definitive judgment of God concerning sin. It is finished. This man, this God Jesus, who did live like a lion, has died like a lamb, and our burden has been removed and given to him once for all. Is this nothing to you? all you who pass by. For behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let us pray. Blessed Lord Jesus, before thy cross I kneel and see the heinousness of my sin, my iniquity that caused thee to be made a curse the evil that excites the severity of divine wrath. Show me the enormity of my guilt by the crown of thorns, the pierced hands and feet, the bruised body, the dying cries. Thy blood is the blood of incarnate God, its worth infinite, its value beyond all thought. Infinite must be the evil and guilt that demands such a price. Sin is my malady, my monster, my foe, my viper, born in my birth, alive in my life, strong in my character, dominating my faculties, following me as a shadow, intermingling with every thought, my chain that holds me captive in the empire of my soul. Sinner that I am, why should the sun give me light, the air supply breath, the earth bear my tread, its fruits nourish me, its creatures subserve my ends. Yet thy compassion yearn over me, 
Thy heart hastens to my rescue. Thy love endured my curse. Thy mercy bore my deserved stripes. Let me walk humbly in the lowest, lowest depths of humiliation, bathed in thy blood, tender of conscience, triumphing gloriously as an heir of salvation. In the name of the one who has died for us, Jesus Christ. Amen.